my name is Autumn Dixon and this week is July 25th through the 31st and we are going to be in the book of Esther. If you are relatively new to my channel, you might notice that sometimes my background changes. Well, I tend to make videos ahead of time for the summer so that I can get a break throughout the year from making videos essentially. <laughs> and so it just so happens that while I'm making some of these extra videos, I am in a hotel room because my husband and I just moved across country. So that's why I'm in a hotel room. Anyway, so Book of Esther, fun fact, fact about the Book of Esther, it is actually part of the reason why my husband and I started dating. So we were hanging out a lot. He actually took me to a lake, a private lake <laughs> that his buddy lived on. And we were out on a jet ski and it was super romantic. And he asked me to be his girlfriend. And I said no, <laughs> because I was trying to get over somebody. And in trying to get over this other person, I had been praying a lot. And Heavenly Father told me that I needed to be studying the book of Esther. While I was studying it, wasn't getting a whole lot out of it, didn't really understand why. But the day that Connor asked me to be his girlfriend, we were driving home and he started to talk about time on his mission when he was reading the book of Esther. And he basically shared some things with me that made me think twice and we sure enough one thing led to another and we were dating so love the book of esther however how can the book of esther affect your life <laughs> let's get right into that so if you've never heard the story of esther very simplified version she is a jew she through a series of events, ends up marrying the Persian king, becomes the queen, and the king is tricked into putting forth a decree about a genocide for the Jews, right? They're going to kill all the Jews in the land, and he's tricked into doing this. Well, Esther is a Jew, and the king didn't know that. Well, she, at the peril of her life, comes before the king, a couple of things happen, and she says, hey, I'm a Jew, and essentially she saves the Jewish people. As I was reading through the book of Esther for this week, I was absolutely fascinated with how often the book of Esther mentions the clothing that people were wearing. So sometimes simplified clothing, sometimes royal apparel, crowns, just adornments, all these different things. The book of Esther actually mentions clothing a lot and as I dug deeper into it, I found a lot of symbolism there. But I want to talk about one experience in particular with Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, who actually set her up to where she was able to fulfill her role here on earth. So this is Esther chapter four, and it's verses one through three. Now the king has just sent out this decree that all the Jews will be killed. And this is what happens. It says, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was a great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Mordecai put on sackcloth and ashes, lots of, lots of Jews put on sackcloth and ashes. What is sackcloth and ashes? Well, it was a meaningful ritual that many Jews did or some Jews did. <laughs> I don't actually know how many of them did it, but some Jews did. 
and essentially they would rent their clothes, they'd tear their clothes, and they would put on really uncomfortable clothing. So it was essentially a fabric that was often used to create a sack, sackcloth. Makes a lot of sense. Very logical naming. It was rough like burlap. It could be made of goat hair. And after they would put on this uncomfortable clothing, they would sprinkle ashes or dust on their heads. And it was a very humble positioning and it indicated to the outside world that whoever was in this position was in very deep mourning. Now, makes a lot of sense as to why Mordecai chose to go through this ritual, right? There was just a decree of genocide against his people. So he was mourning. Sackcloth and ashes could also represent repentance, right? So one of the examples of that, David, King David, dons sackcloth and ashes when, after the whole experience with Bathsheba. So it could also signify Bathsheba, or not Bathsheba, it could also signify repentance. That's what I was trying to say. So not only did this position, I guess, bring about humility, right? Very humble to be wearing these uncomfortable clothes and to have dust all over your head. But there was a lot of symbolism here, right? So sackcloth, wearing sackcloth is very uncomfortable. And it was something that you put on yourself, right? No one else came and put the sackcloth on you. You put it on yourself. And it was also a temporary thing. So people would wear the sackcloth and ashes and then they would put something more comfortable on. When we look at Mordecai, he was obviously, I guess the most obvious reason for him wearing the sackcloth and ashes was because he was in great mourning. There is no sin that we know of that he was trying to overcome and, and trying to repent of some big sin that he needed to put on sackcloth and ashes. However, repentance is so much more than just saying sorry for a sin. Repentance is about growth and change and becoming. So even though Mordecai wasn't trying to overcome a sin, I would argue that Mordecai was still repenting. He was changing, growing, and going through this big trial of faith in order for this to happen. <coughs> now there came a moment in which, <coughs> excuse me, there came a moment in which Mordecai decided that he was going to ask Esther to put her life at risk, stand before the king, and plead for the Jews. <clears throat> Mordecai had raised Esther as a daughter, right? She wasn't her biological father, but he raised her as a daughter. He loved Esther, I'm sure, right? He loved Esther as his daughter. And perhaps Mordecai never faltered in his decision to say, hey, Esther, I want you to put your life at risk potentially be killed without even being able to say anything about the Jews. I want you to put your life at risk and try to save us. Perhaps Mordecai never faltered when he decided that he was going to try, that he was going to tell Esther that she needed to do this. But even if Mordecai never faltered, even if he was never like, oh, I don't know if I have the capacity to ask Esther to put her life at risk, even if he had never faltered in that decision, it couldn't have been an easy decision. It was still very difficult. There was still growth to be had through that trial of asking Esther to do that. I would assume that Mordecai had never seen 
God before, right? He believed in a God who had delivered his people before, and he bore testimony of that God when he asked Esther to stand before the king. But this was a moment in which he really had to decide if he believed in this God and whether this God could deliver Esther, whether this God could deliver the Jews. He had to really act in faith, take a huge leap of faith into this. And I imagine that in those moments in which he was doing that, he was repenting because he was changing. He stepped up. He grew. Now, as we keep going on in the story, as we keep this idea in our mind that Mordecai was repenting, he wasn't overcoming his sin, but he was growing and becoming more like Heavenly Father. As we keep going in the story, Mordecai has torn his clothing and he's put on the sackcloth. Well, Esther hears that he's put on sackcloth and ashes and she's very distressed by it. And so she decides that she's going to send him comfortable clothing. Well, at least I would assume that it's comfortable <laughs> because she's living in a palace. So she sends him this comfortable clothing. Mordecai refuses it. He doesn't put it on. He doesn't want to put on this comfortable clothing that Esther sent to him. Now, repentance is uncomfortable, no matter how, no matter where it's coming from, right? If you're trying to overcome a sin, it's uncomfortable. If it's just coming through a process of change, and trial, it is still uncomfortable. <laughs> Repentance is uncomfortable. And there's lots of ways that we could get out of it <laughs> and get out of that discomfort, right? Where we don't have to put on that sackcloth and ashes and experience that discomfort. We could give in to that old habit. Mordecai could have chosen to just bow to Haman because Haman was the one who tricked the king into doing the genocide. He could have just bowed to Haman we could surround ourselves with all sorts of earthly distractions and money or fun things, just whatever distractions you want to think about so that we don't have to look in the mirror and feel the emptiness or to look at ourselves and not like who we've become, right? It would just be easier sometimes to skip the sackcloth and ashes altogether. However, sackcloth and ashes were an essential part of the plan of salvation. The discomfort, the the uncomfortable part of repentance was a necessary part of the plan of salvation. It was a prod to help us repent, right? It poked us a little, <laughs> right? To get us to change and live our life on a higher plane so that we could actually be happier. <coughs> right? Without it, it would hard, be hard to realize that we needed to change. Now, this idea of kind of sinking into that discomfort and accepting that discomfort and letting that discomfort drive us to change and become better, do not take that principle to the extreme, right? Guilt has a purpose. It's a prod. It helps us change. But do not take it to the extreme. Don't beat yourself up over past mistakes. Don't berate yourself. Don't try to scare yourself into doing the right thing because it doesn't work, right? Feel the guilt, acknowledge the guilt, realize that the guilt is there because you probably need to change something, but don't beat yourself up with the guilt because it won't help you live better, which means it won't let you be happier, right? You, it won't let you become like your heavenly father so that you can't be happier. In fact, it does 
the opposite of that, right? So as we keep going on in the story with Mordecai, there's more to learn from Mordecai. So there are two times after Mordecai has put on sackcloth and ashes, there are two times in which Mordecai actually puts on royal apparel, right? He puts on very comfortable clothing, very nice clothing. The first time is because he was being honored because he stopped an assassin from killing the king. Good job. The second time was after the king had put out the new decree that the Jews could defend themselves from being killed. And the second time he wore blue and white and purple, he even wore a crown, right? The king put a crown on Mordecai after this experience of putting on the sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes were not meant to be forever. They were meant to be temporary. We shouldn't stay in that sackcloth and ashes forever, right? Mordecai had these incredible moments after the sackcloth and ashes in which he put on beautiful clothing and he was honored for the things that he had done. And I like to think about the growth that he, the growth that he had in experiencing the sackcloth and ashes and through this experience of repenting and changing and growing, he grew a lot, right? And we grow a lot when we experience that discomfort. But I would also imagine that that repentance process and that growth continued on as Mordecai put on the beautiful clothing. Okay, so he finally gets rid of the sackcloth and ashes and he puts on something comfortable, right? And he realizes what the Lord has done for his people and he is filled with gratitude and that gratitude spurs on more repentance in the future, right? It's that reward at the end, that feeling of becoming better, of putting on that beautiful clothing that makes us want to repent again, right? If repentance was terrible all the way through, if we hold on to that guilt the entire time and we get to carry the sins, even though Christ already carried them, we're not going to want to repent again. And eventually we're just going to give up. Like, I can't do it. I'm unhappy. At the end of wearing that sackcloth and ashes, we have to allow ourselves to feel forgiven. Maybe even to feel proud of how we held ourselves through that trial and how we held on to our savior throughout that trial. We have to allow ourselves to feel gratitude for what the savior did and to cherish the moments afterwards in which we have become better, in which we get to live our life at a higher plane. Because if you keep living, if you keep holding on to that sin, you haven't stepped onto a higher plane. You're not happier. Allowing yourself to feel that gratitude, donning that beautiful clothing will make you want to repent again and become this incredible person that Heavenly Father wants you to become. I am grateful for a Savior who allows the process of repentance to play out. I am grateful that he has taught me that after the sackcloth and ashes comes beautiful clothing that he returns beauty for ashes, if you will. I am grateful that I have learned to experience the parts of repentance that bring out emotions such as awe and humility and gratitude and healing, that I've been able to learn how to feel the great parts of repentance. As you continue on reading in Mordecai, or in Esther, <laughs> reading about Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai doesn't just put on nice clothes. Mordecai goes on 
to hold a very high position in the kingdom and to stand next to the king and have all of this power to influence for good. We were not meant to just wear comfortable clothing. We were meant to become like our heavenly father, to stand next to him, to make decisions, to influence things for good. I am grateful that I have a savior who lets me repent, who lets me put on the beautiful clothing and who lets me in the end become like him so that I can live at that higher plane so that I can stand next to him in gratitude and joy. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.